Hello and welcome to what is this? Uh, in the Money Media Players Podcast. I don't even know what we call it anymore. This is the Players Podcast. Uh, special edition. A lot of Foster talk here at Stephen Foster Weekend. A little bit of a different location, I, I would I would say. Uh, it's usually at Churchill Downs, and it's going to be at Ellis this year. But it's still a million dollars. It's still a grade one. And uh, a grade one uh, partner in crime, as always, my man, Nikki the Boss. Jonathan, how are you? Good to join you again. Yeah, a little different being at the pea patch versus uh, under the twin spires for the Foster. It's all right, though, right? I mean, like I said, it's still horses going in a circle that you can wager on. Um, it's still a million dollars. It's still a grade one. And there's still a, a nice supporting cast of, of races surrounding it as well. We'll talk through the pick four here uh, starting in race eight. Uh, the Florida Lee, the grade two Florida Lee. Boss, did you see anyone in here outside of Pauline's Pearl or uh, Amore? Amore. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat those two, right? I mean, Pauline's Pearl is probably going to have to elevate her game a little bit off of what was a, admittedly a disappointing effort in the La Troyana. That was a second straight poor race for her. So um, Amore has run much better than her now in two straight starts. They meet each other for a third straight time. As much as I want to pull, pull for Pauline's Pearl uh, being a two-time Houston Ladies Classic winner, I think she's going to have to run a lot better to beat Amore. Uh, this has been quite a turnaround job by Brad Cox with Amore. This is a horse who I never really thought much of uh, when she was with Todd Pletcher, and she's just really blossomed since she's gotten to Brad's care. The mistake that was made last time out was that she's gotten better because she's used her speed more. And, you know, you and I have had this conversation. We talk about this a lot in general. Horses get better when they have speed, when you allow them to use it. And she was really wrangled way back last time by, by Florent. I, I don't think that was – I can't imagine that was the plan. And it certainly didn't play out well. I expect her to be far more engaged. Oh, admittedly, over a racetrack, it's been very kind to forwardly placed horses. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, those were the two for me. I, I didn't really see anything that could jump up. I, I guess you could make a, a case that if Moonswag takes another step forward, she ran a, life, a lifetime best last time, so maybe she's kind of, you know, turning it around a little bit. She'd need to take a step forward. If she runs that race or she runs any of her previous races, probably not going to be good enough, but I guess you could make a case that she's taking a step forward. Race nine. Uh, the Wise Dan, I, you know, Wise Dan is one of those horses that I think gets not forgotten, but he's not in the conversation as much as I think he probably deserved for being a great horse. I think that's fair. Um, running on turf, I think, probably makes it a little tougher for you to be remembered as an all-time great, but he was an all-time really damn good, no doubt about it. I mean, I think he was a great horse for his generation. Um, and he's a horse who won this race that was known as the firecracker. I think he won it three years in a row or something. He did, he did run for a long time, which was something that was admirable. Um, especially, uh, because we just don't get that a lot anymore. Uh, I had said, Giroux on JK plus one recently. And funny enough, he told me that one of his favorite horses in training is set piece, which I found to be funny because if I rode set piece, he would annoy the hell out of me because he's, he, he's, he's, he, he wins. When, when you don't think he's going to, he doesn't win when you think he is. It's, it's a tough situation to follow, but he loves the horse. He doesn't win a lot, period, which is the other thing that, that sort of gets on your nerves. I mean, I know he's a horse who has 12 lifetime wins, but um, you look at his last 10 races, only three of them have come in those you know, during that stretch in time. So it's, um, it's been a bit of a challenge for him, um, all things considered. So 
I think he'll he'll have to uh, he'll be tough to beat here. He looks like a, a relatively short price and one that that I would envision will uh, will take an awful lot of beating. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a little bit of an aggressive spot, four to five. I, I thought that was a little bit, you know, I don't think he's a four to five shot um, like the morning line has him. I do think he's a likely winner. Get Smoked is, is always a horse I think that's interesting because uh, of the, the early speed that Get Smoking has, but he's just a little bit light on figures, so I'm not overly concerned about him being a huge problem. But the thing with set pieces, you, you know, he's got to always work out a trip. He's a horse that comes from out of it. Um, and we talk about, you know, he, he could be a, a, a tricky horse. You know, he's, he, he's, he's been better with the blinkers, but now they're back off again. I remember when they made that change with set piece with the blinkers. Now they got him, they got him off again. So I, I think he is a horse that a lot of people are going to lean on in multi-race wagers. And I think if you can get creative in here, I think that you can have a, a chance to make some money. Um, you know, a, a horse like Camp Hope. I suppose is a little bit interesting. Just not really sure about that. Uh, that last race, I, I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to see more horses run out of that race to have a better feel for how good it is. There's only been one to run back. They ran third. I think the three and the four are alternatives, but I, I agree with you. I mean, he, he's hard to trust, but I do think the eight set piece is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. My camp hope worry is he looks like a decidedly better horse with Lasix. Um, it's kind of been a problem for him at various times throughout his career. The only other one I would mention as a, a potential alternative is it looks like the one Harlan estate might finally be realizing the upside that he looked like he had earlier in his career. And he didn't run poorly last time out in the Arlington. So he's one I think you could maybe put in the bottom rung of your exotics. On to the third leg race 10. It is the Stephen Foster, uh, the race uh, that this race card was built around. I, did, I just I watch a lot of UFC and they always say that they say uh, they say uh, you know Israel Adesanya the man that this fight card was built around. I didn't even know I was going to do that, but you know I did it, Nick. Um, I think there's look. I think all of these horses kind of look the same except for two of them. Uh, the five smile happy and the six West Willpower look like the cream of this crop. They're not. They're not that much better than all the rest of them, but I think they are clearly better. But the rest of them look the same. Stiletto Boy and Proxy look the same. Speed Bias, Rattle and Roll look the same. Last Samurai, Rattle and Roll look the same. Um, do you see it the same way? For the most part, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the item that could end up flipping the smile happy West willpower decision is their respective post positions. I think West willpower being on the outside chase really helps. I think him being down towards the inside on Oaks day was not really where they wanted to be. He's been a, a much happier horse outside stalking anyway. Um, the only other horse really to discuss is proxy. And I've never been a big proxy fan. It does look like he might be in the midst of, of gradually turning the corner and, and to me, he has run decidedly better races in his last two than he really had at any point in his career. I know he got a big fig for his third in the Stephen Foster last year. He was towed home that day. I mean, he was not – it was not a big effort on his part. That was a fast race by Olympian, and he just happened to kind of fall into it. I'll tell you, the Oakland handicap was weird. I went back and watched the replay a couple of times, and, and shockingly, I actually cashed a ticket on the race. That's why I probably had to watch the replay to see just how it's done. Um, I thought he was dead around the turn. Like, I thought he, had, he was getting nothing. And then all of a sudden they started, they, he started running again in the final hundred yards and, and made this big late push to get up by a head. Um, he's a horse with a lot of talent. He doesn't really have the most attractive running style for a place like Ellis. He's going to need to make up a lot of ground late. 
you know, my pick firmly is West Willpower. I think he turns the tables here, and I think he gets the right trip stocking on the outside. Yeah, I mean, his, you know, some of his races in in the in the spring were just outstanding um, standouts. And and I do, you know, I agree. I think that there was conversation on on Oaks Day of whether or not being on the inside is where you wanted to be. He spent an mm-hmm. entire the entire race down there. Um, I think some people will look at that and say that he he didn't set terribly fast fractions and he just kind of spit it out. But it's one of those deals. Like he's the type of horse that can help you identify on a day if there's a bias or not. He was extremely well bet. He's by great connections. He got an easy trip on the inside and spit it. And that's a huge indicator to me that, that that's probably not where you want it to be. And so I think he will bounce back. I think he will run better. I think if you don't use Wes Willpower, you know, or you don't feel like he's the one or Smile Happy's the one who ran extremely well uh, in the Ali Sheba, there's just, there's, like I said, I feel like the rest of them all look the same. So I, I think I'm leaning on the, the, the single West willpower and uh, let the other ones beat me. I like that approach. I think that's probably the best way to do it. And, you know, we'll see how things shake out early with speed bias, as far as how fast he wants to go. He went fast last time out on pace figures. If he's able to run, you know, the similar type of fractions, then, uh, then everybody's going to have to work a little harder early to stay within range. I uh, saw so I'm going to finish this entire pick four with back-to-back singles. Uh, there's a horse in race 11 in the Teppan that uh, I'm absolutely uh, in love with. I, I loved her debut um, at Saratoga. I loved when she broke her maiden at Saratoga. And I liked her in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly where she did absolutely – Juvenile Philly serve where she did no running. But she came back and showed that I think she is what I thought she was. And that's Chigira, the five horse. I'll be singling that one. Boss, what are you thinking in here? Yeah, I mean, she's the horse really worthy of all the conversation in here because, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us really, really kind of fell for her, as you said, last year at Saratoga, running into Pink Hue and then coming back and just walloping a field on the turf the day after the Travers. Uh, Phil Bauer has had an incredible run the last couple of years at Saratoga. He started nothing but live horses. And um, I think we're seeing a a horse that really is going to start to come into her own as a three-year-old. I thought that comeback race was really strong. I'm not worried about her running without Lasix. She ran well without Lasix last year on numerous occasions. And Heavenly Sunday's kind of a fraud, right? I mean, there's nothing that you're supposed to really believe in with her. Um, There have actually been more poor performances out of that Edgewood than good ones. So I'm willing to take a full-scale lean against her anyway. There's some other speed signed on in here, and Zajera's not letting her get far away no matter what. So I'm looking forward to seeing how she performs in a bit bigger spot. Uh, the foster card gets started at 11:45 AM. They got 11 races uh, and obviously including the, the 10th, um, the mile and an eighth grade one, Stephen Foster, that race will go off at 4:26. We just talked through the pick four, which will start in race eight, the Florida Lee. It's an all stakes pick four. You know, I love an all stakes pick four boss. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this foster with me and uh, good luck if you're playing it. Thank you, my friend. I noticed that you rattled off all the times in central time. I know your heart's still in the central time zone. Oh, is it? What is it? Is that, is it central? It's, it's 1145 central. Yeah. Well, Alice is in the central time zone. So it's, which is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I tried to explain to Raylu last week when he was complaining about the post time that it was actually 1245 Eastern time. So he didn't, you know, he didn't fall for that. I will say this. And I know you agree with me and I dare anyone to challenge me on this because I'm a hundred percent certain that we're right. The best time zone in the world for sports and racing is central. 
100%. It's the most well-rested time zone, right? 10 o'clock news, 7 o'clock prime time, noon football kickoffs on Sundays. I don't know how. I don't know how anybody does anything different. 11 a.m. big Saturday kickoff um, for college football. It's the best by far. Pacific's too early. Eastern's too late. I completely agree, Nick. That's the it's the smartest thing we probably said on this entire podcast. If you have any arguments no about that, you can comment, you can tweet at us. But I I'm very passionate about this one. Yeah, we're not wrong on this one. No way. You're not convincing me any any no chance. Good luck in the foster. Thank you, my friend. PTF here at the Crag and Moore Distillery in Scotland to tell you about our latest sponsor, Toba, the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association. Their mission is to improve the economics, integrity, and pleasure of the sport on behalf of thoroughbred owners and breeders. Projects managed by Toba include the American Graded Stakes Committee, the Claiming Crown, ownership seminars, breeding confirmation and pedigree clinics, as well as the Sales Integrity Program. Toba provides international representation for U.S. owners and breeders on the International Grading and Race Plan Advisory Committee, the International Cataloging Standards Committee, and the International Thoroughbred Breeders Federation as well. TCA, which you've heard us talk about, that's the charitable arm of Toba. Toba media properties include the Blood Horse, which folks know about as a monthly way to get a lot of news about everything going on in thoroughbred racing. Very pleased to be working with Toba throughout the 2023 season. All right, now we've got that one done. We are going to talk a little bit of Monmouth. Boss, you are heavily paying attention at Monmouth. You are the, 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 the line maker for the fixed odds. That seems like a fun gig. Have you, have you gotten, have you, have you have any embarrassing moments yet where you're like, Ooh, I messed that one up. No, you know, fortunately, so the guys that trade the fixed odds for bet makers are really good and they're really familiar with this. So, you know, it's a little bit like betting with a bookie and they'll just, uh, they'll adjust on the fly. Um, we got we got hammered last year a couple of times by uh, horses trained by Juan Avila. And so, you know, one of the things that you can do in the fixed odds market is you can put horses basically whatever price you want. And even if you know consciously you're making them a much shorter price than they should be, you do it because you're sort of incentivizing everybody else to bet so that you have more liquidity in your market and you balance out odds wise. So, yeah, nothing, nothing troublesome. Uh, thank God. Um, but, you know, the guys, the guys watch it very closely and make sure that there's nothing, uh, nothing going on to a couple of firsters last year. Avila got us pretty good. And then, and there was a, a rider who's uh, his agent's father would bet pretty frequently. So we knew, and that rider did not start the meet at Monmouth, but he's there now. Nothing too crazy so far. So no, it's been, it's luckily been a uh, worry free. Well, we're going to talk about two races uh, at Monmouth and we're going to call them our best bets and, and looking through the card, uh, the horse that I was the most excited to bet on, um, if I was getting involved from a, I'd have to drive down to Jersey, obviously, to get involved from a uh, fixed odds perspective. But race seven, a mile and a 16th on the turf, an allowance race. I really like the one Great Britain. One of the things I've kind of learned as I've been watching races, and, and especially at Saratoga and, 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 and those kind of tighter turf courses, those, those tighter turn turf courses, being drawn towards the inside with tactical speed with a horse that will shut off is a huge, huge weapon and i feel like that is what the one great britain has drawn towards the inside isn't a speed horse 
but also isn't a, a, a dead closer. It's a horse that does have some tactical speed. And you'd think that they would kind of pop away from there, get their position, hopefully get some cover. And then you just got to get lucky to get a hole to pop out of late. And it usually comes when you have a horse that does have that turn of foot that can get out of those spots when they present themselves. So I thought the one Great Britain was, uh, was, was very interesting, and that's who I'm going to make my best bet of the day at Monmouth. I like it. I'm going to go to the Regret, which is race number five, uh, the featured event on the card, and it takes place in the middle of it. And I go to the six Oxana uh, for trainer Tim Hills. This horse is coming out of the ski pad at uh, Pimlico, run on Preakness weekend. I didn't really understand the trip she had last time. She's breaking on the inside, not always ideal sprinting on the dirt anyway. Rail wasn't the place to be on Friday of uh, Preakness weekend. I didn't think on Saturday it was any kind of big issue, but she got shuffled out a little bit along the way, ended up kind of re-rallying late. I'm looking for her to get a good outside stalking trip back at Monmouth where she's performed well, including finishing third in this very race a year ago. So my, uh, my Monmouth bets pick will be the six Oxana in race five. All right, now we'll travel up north a little bit, and we will be traveling uh, to this place very, very much longer. We're running out of time here uh, before we head up all the way north to Saratoga, but we're going to talk a little bit about Belmont. We're going to hit the pick six there. We love the dollar minimum, boss. Yeah, I know you love the dollar minimum. I wish the dollar minimum existed everywhere in racing. It doesn't, so we'll just do what we have to do and deal with it. It starts in race Five at 309 Eastern at Belmont Park. It's a maiden special weight going a mile on the turf, boss. What did you think about this one? I mean, it looks like right to win is going to be pretty tough to handle uh, when all is said and done. Chad Brown training coming off a third place effort at a mile and an eighth. I think shorter distance is probably better for him. You know, these Chad horses just seem to be relatively obvious. This is a modest turf pedigree on Northern Invader, who's uh, the four horse in here. Sheree DeVoe, a West Point uh, runner, collected progeny just two for 42 first time on turf. There are some turf winners on the damn side, but it's just not, it's not a pedigree that really bowls you over in terms of a big turf move up. The other thing is that, I mean, why isn't this horse being given another shot on the dirt, right? I mean, maybe he's in in part because they're hoping the race comes off the turf, but got an 88 and 84 buyer on the dirt. I don't know why you'd want to whisk that horse off to the turf right away. Wayhill Road is the other horse for me. He, I thought he ran well in his first turf start at Pimlico. He nearly uh, nearly stayed on after stalking the pace. Winner came from a little bit off of it that day. There's a run back for uh, Graham Motion that's running on Friday that I think is going to run well. I'm sorry, for Jimmy Toner that's running on Friday at Belmont that I think is going to run well. You can kind of take a look at that one to see if it gives you any indication. Yeah, look, I, I wanted to point out Northern Invader as well. Um just one that, you know, just is a curious move, right? I mean, this horse has blazing fast numbers on the dirt. 108, 109, time form U.S. figures on the dirt. Now switching to the turf. I mean, you got to think if this horse can handle the turf even a little bit, I, I think could be tough in here. Um, but it's, it's a curious move. It, it is a curious move. And I know, you, like you said, there has been some success in the family on the turf. And so maybe that's why they made this decision. Um, Northern Invaders, they're very famous for, for one thing. And, 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 and I don't know if you know this, boss, but the former workmate of the horse also trained by Cherie DeVoe, Salivo. Thought I'd let you know. Really? That. Did not know yeah, that. They worked together very a bunch, good. but, you oh, know. There you go. Yeah, it's, I, just, I saw it. I had to point it out. Race uh, six. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought this was a foregone conclusion. The second leg of the pick six. Saudi crown looks like the real deal. And uh, usually when you see horses like this for Brad Cox, they don't often disappoint. 
if they look like they're going to run really well, they've been running really well, they typically show up in their third career start and continue to do so. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing about Brad too, is that uh, Lasix off is no issue for his bar. And he actually has uh, remarkably good numbers, better than a 30% strike rate and a big time positive ROI Lasix off. This horse does look a little bit like uh, not so much strobe. I don't remember the other horse's name. The one that lost to the Jimmy Chapman horse in the, the gold fever a few weeks ago um, had run two big races to begin his career and then came up to New York and, and kind of underperformed a little bit. I was a keen the day Saudi crown broke his maiden. He ran great. And I thought he came back with what looked like a decidedly more workmanlike type effort. Um, he might actually be a horse who's a little bit better with a target. That's rare. Most speed horses are better on the lead. It's to me, it's between him and Fort Bragg. I'm not going to shortchange Fort Bragg. I think, uh, I think his last race, the Pat Day Mile was very, very good. I think he'll get a good trip on the outside. I wonder if he might be better, you know, from seven eighths to a mile. And that's obviously what Bob Baffert has decided. He did leave him in New York after he was scratched from the Woody, uh, the Woody Stevens in order to run here. So yeah, just those two for me, anybody else would be a big surprise. Race seven, we got an allowance race, boss, and Timeform US says that horses on or near the lead are going to have uh, advantageous trips. What did you think in race seven? I'll tell you what, it's a tough race. I mean, if you like horses that are going to be forwardly placed, you're probably going to gravitate towards Daddy Nose to an extent. Um, you know, Varadi is a horse that's been, been really hard to figure out for Todd Pletcher. It looks like he may have just gone bad of late as well. Uh, beginning his career so sharply back in 2021 and he came back and you know little did we realize when he ran into Conagher at Keeneland that Conagher was going to end up being a pretty good horse he was like 70 to 1 when he beat him that day um he, you know he's a horse that on his best day could contend brew pub has had new life since Rudy Rodriguez claimed him uh, winning a race against New York Reds uh, and then coming back and running a very good second behind awesome native when he was a little bit against it from a pace perspective he figures to be a horse at a mile that can be somewhat within range of the lead i, I didn't really have a strong lead here this is a race where i'm going to use quite a few horses i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna monkey around with it too much because i will also tell you that uh, south street is a dangerous horse this is a linda rice claim that you'll see generally move up and she claimed this horse off of bill mott to me because she probably feels like he is a distance type and she's been doing really well with these horse, these kind of horses, you know, tonal impact movie moxie. These are horses that have won in recent days and tonal impacts going to a graded stake next week that were distance types that she took off the claim with an idea that she was going to have success with them going long. Yeah. Before we leave race seven boss, I, I do want to mention the one bad to the bones who uh, since switching from Graham motions barn and making that uh, ever so important equipment change, uh, for male horses, this horse has run on May 3rd at Churchill, ran a lifetime best, and then comes back on May 28th and runs another lifetime best. This horse seemed to be trending in the right direction. The change of scenery uh, and the change of uh, equipment, uh, the gelding, I think, has made a huge difference in this horse. And, and I think bad to the bones. If they can stay a little close, I worry possibly falling a little bit back far out of it from the inside post could be tough. But I think as a horse, this horse is trending in the right direction. You know, when you have a little less to live for, you run faster. <laughs> Race eight. We're on the grass. Boss man, what are we doing here? Well, you know, it, fe it feels to me like you're probably supposed to focus your attention on uh, Timbuktu and Forwardly and Shinsun. Uh, those are the ones that I kind of want. The interesting thing to note about this race is that the rail is coming down on the widener. 
And when the rail came down on the Widener-Belmont week, I don't want to say it was an enormous bias, but it really felt like it was advantageous to be towards the inside. At least that's the story for why I'm going to bet against Caravel next time again, because I might as well just keep betting against her. But I mean, it felt like you were better off being towards the inside. It felt more so. It felt like if you tried to make a prolonged wide move, you were probably a little bit up against it. Shinson is an interesting horse. He's kind of a pet horse of mine. He's had a number of bad setups and he's overcome them a couple of times with that win in his debut, despite it being a slow pace, he came back and ran well in his first try against winners, despite it being a slow pace, he got no setup last time at all. And he still finished well. So did Tim Buck too. I'm going to use those three and just kind of go on with it. I didn't really find anybody else that, uh, that lit my fire. Um, I, I think the other ones that are contenders really are outposted like the 12 Kingfish Stevens. Race nine. It's uh, the return uh, to the races for Weyburn, but with Todd Pletcher, you know, and, and look, I, I think that this is a horse that has, always shown some talent, always shown some ability. Um, and he's run well off of layoffs in his career. You know, when he has breaks, he runs well. And I, I've, I've just have this feeling that for a trainer like Todd, who I would presume trains harder, is harder on their horses in terms of getting them ready in the morning than a Jimmy Jerkins or a, a Brendan Walsh. I, I do feel like we're going to see a big performance out of Weyburn fresh uh hasn't run since you know since derby weekend with a little bit of a break and i I think he's gonna be i think he could be tough in here i'm not gonna make too many quality road comparisons but that was a jimmy quality road was a jimmy jerkins to todd pletcher trainer switch as well um wayburn's a horse has always had a great deal of talent i mean he won the gotham as a three-year-old early in his three-year-old season and performed very well in that race he's always kind of hinted at having grade one type ability and, um, and I thought he ran well in the Westchester. I mean, no shame in, in finishing in a photo for second with Zandon, who uh, – or actually, he was in a photo. Zandon was in a photo for second in the Met Mile. He lost second by three-quarters of a length to Zandon, who came back and ran very well, all things considered. I mean, I thought Zandon ran his race in the Met Mile. He just – he ran into the best horse in training. Um, so I thought Wayburn was very dangerous. You know, I think the horses that generally have been in this division are okay. They're not great. You know, and I speak mainly of Candyman Rocket and Little Vic – uh, both of whom look like they could win, but they're not ones that, you know, you're really dying. You're bending over backwards to bet. Um, I, I think they're probably the other horses that you would want to use in here, especially little Vic to me, who's got a little bit more early speed. And, and even though the connections kind of said, you know, they, they were, they were uh, obviously underwhelmed with his effort in the, in the Carter because he bled your time for me. West user was one of his best races to date because the pace in that race was extremely strong. And, uh, and he kind of looked uh, today's flavor in the eye in that race. And, you know, today's flavor is a horse that on his best day can be very, very fast early. So I'll give a slight nod to little Vic, but I'll have a Wayburn in there as well. And a little bit of Candyman rocket. And to wrap it up in race 10, we've got maiden claimers on the grass, the way we like to end it in Naira. What were your thoughts here? You know, I went back and watched the replay on the one owl uh, um, last time out because it's just a strange running line. You don't see a horse go from from five and a half lengths out to ten out without there being some type of issue. And there really wasn't. I don't know if Dylan just kind of got a little bit lost or, you know, the leaders didn't exactly run away from them. But this horse lost a significant amount of ground going around the turn and then sort of re-rallied when the race was falling apart. Um, So it's, you know, it's not it's probably one of those that's not as good as it looks on paper, but it also wasn't ideal. So I think you kind of have to use that one back. Uh, the horses that are coming out of the common race um, th- that a number of them are in here is that May 19th event that I just mentioned where Awesome Force went to the lead and set a pretty quick pace before getting run down late. 
you know, with all due respect to Joey Martinez, this horse is getting a pretty big jockey change to Ruben Silvera, who's going to put him on the lead and, and probably try and wire them from there. You know, this is a mile and a 16th on the inner where speed plays significantly better than it does on the widener course. So I'm going to use, uh, I'll, uh, um, I'll probably, I'll definitely use uh, the aforementioned awesome force who I think can be very dangerous on the front end. And, you know, the other horse that I think, even though you kind of have a hard time warming up to him, you have to use as your mission, who is collecting a lot of defeats and excuses, but uh, has run well enough at least to be a contender. Boss man, we've got uh, we've got a couple more weeks till Saratoga. I, 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 I hear you're coming, Travers. Is that going to be your only appearance? It looks like that at this point. Yeah, I might be uh, going to the to Colonial in August, so it looks like only Travers for me. You're getting two Philly Joe appearances, though. You're getting a Jack appearance again, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot on the horizon. Nothing wrong with that, boss. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll see. You got you got a, a pick six. Uh, for Friday, right up is that that shows up for Gulfstream Park? Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's a plus show. I have it recorded. I just got to send it over to be uh, to be put up there for Gulfstream for the uh, mandatory payout and the Rainbow Six. Well, if you're not a member of In the Money Plus, what better now you need to reason than now to listen to Boss's thoughts on that mandatory payout on a Friday uh, at Gulfstream Park? Doesn't happen very often, Boss. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thank you, my friend. See you soon. Take care. Drew, what's going on? I'm starting to call you the king of Toronto. Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, got a bunch of in-laws up here for July 4th up in Michigan, and uh, we're just going to have a good time of it. How about you? How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I just looking at these races, it reminded me that five years ago to the day I was at Woodbine for this day uh, on my birthday, and uh, something special happened that day. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Highlander here. It's a grade two now. It used to be a grade one. Uh, when I owned my little half a percent of long on value, because our friends at 10 Strike Racing uh, let, me, uh, let me in there, uh, we won a grade one. So I am a grade one winning owner, and I just didn't want anyone to forget that. <laughs> I love it. Well, and also, uh, speaking of King of Toronto here, uh, I am drinking a Labatt Blue Light. Uh, LBLs, as they're called here. So Canada's finest. I'm drinking something from Druthers. Oh, I have horseplayer happy hour coming up here in a minute. And I just feel like it's, it's like it's false advertising. If I do horseplayer happy hour and I don't have an adult beverage, it doesn't seem like it's fair. Right. So we're all um, transparency here at the network. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Let's jump through yep. these. We're not going to do the pick four. We're going to do four races uh, starting in race seven. We'll let you handle. And I say you, I mean, those at home handle race 11, uh, the maiden claimer, the $10,000 maiden claimer on your own. We're going to focus on the stakes. Race seven, uh, a familiar name that most will know if you pay attention at all. It's the, the it's Wonder Wheel in here, the six horse who will be making her first start on the synthetic, but uh, her trainer knows how to win a, win a race or two on the synthetic. Yeah, there, there's a, in the Celine Stakes here, there's so many question marks with Wonder Wheel for me right now. First on the all-weather, first Lasix, um, has been off form a little bit in the last three starts. You can chalk that up to maybe class. And it feels like Wonder Wheel has almost met the ceiling, kind of what we talk about of the two-year-olds being kind of that, like myself in, in uh, athletics, I was five foot eleven in eighth grade. Uh, and was picked for every sports team, and then everyone else caught up to me later. So I think Wonder Wheel might fit that bill. I'm going to go with two horses here, the number three, Honor D. Lady. Ha hasn't run on laces this year, and both efforts were fairly good down a golf stream. And uh, 
both were one was on the all weather one was on the turf and i think we're going to get a nice price today and uh the horse should have a pace to run into and then the number five be my sunshine at eight to one um it's the other Safi horse in here lightly racing is yet to show up on the all weather and the leading rider gets aboard so i'm assuming kimura's camp thinks this horse is a little bit live uh needs that pace to run into but i think can easily hit the frame underneath at least for a little bit and you're getting an eight to one on that so not too bad honored the lady is seven to two i'm sorry i think i said four to one on that so two horses for me i'm trying to stand against wonder wheel in race eight like i mentioned before the one of my favorite races of all time the highlander uh grade two highlander six furlongs on the turf uh it used to be a grade one maybe one day again it will be a grade one one timer uh back-to-back wins one of those wins was at six and a half. So that's encouraging for the added distance. His last race was going five. Uh, Drew, what did you think about uh, race eight, the Highlander? I think it's going to be awesome. I'm going with the number four, uh, Macedo at five to one on the morning line. Um, three back, Cassie said he wasn't excited to enter this one in the Kentucky D- uh, Downs race. And that kind of result proved it out. Then came back with an easy trip to win and was put on the shelf for a year and came back out with a str- uh, strong closing kick into the neutral fractions for the first start of the 23 campaign. Um, so today, I th- I think should be pointing for a big effort, second off the bench. And the big question mark will be this uh, this horse be able to stalk and impress that pace to give the chance for a closing kick. I don't want uh, Misetto to be too, too far back. Um, two others, one timer, five to two. I think it's just the seriously the fast horse. And then... Um, the number seven super dormy at eight to one has been running against some serious horses at longer distances and uh, last out did a little bit of a cutback and ran a great one. And I think could be a serious contender and we can't go without talking about our, our boy uh, silent poet who will be running for the million dollar mark. Um, this is a woodbine classic horse, eight year old um, gelding. Awesome to see this one still running and uh, for the connections sake, would love to see silent poet in the winter circle. I'm not putting on top, but those three horses outside of silent poet. We just need silent poet to get a check, right? He's what $12,000 away in a $200,000 purse. I don't know the math on there. Uh, let's see. 206. Uh, what? Uh, I don't know. He, he, he needs to be, maybe he needs to be third. Third's going to get him close. I think he might be a little bit short with third. No third. He's in. Fourth, he's short, so we'll be rooting for ah, silent okay. post. Look, one-timer looks tough to me, drawn towards the outside, a perfect post position. Um, and also, the, the thing about one-timer is that is that I feel like he's going to appreciate that added distance um, off of that that second off of a break. He ran extremely well going six and a half. And he gets to kind of see what's going to happen to his inside being drawn outside with tactical speed. That's race eight. Race nine, um, we have the third – not the third. Like I guess it would be the – third leg of the pick five yep the dominion day drew what are we doing here yeah i'm, I'm getting single singled uh, in here with uh, the number six treason it has tactical speed speed and can close well last out had a bit of a math performance and i'm i'm not buying the figures considering carruthers um was all over the place down the lane still so i know it's a bit of a counter argument against myself but i think that was just a stepping stone type of race and i want to call it out that I think that figure could be a little light and would expect for treason to run back to that number. 
um, in that 120-ish time form figure setting. So I don't think the treason was fully cranked. Um, I'm hoping we can get a little bit of a price, uh, as some people may view this as, uh, oh, that was a that was a bad figure, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that was just a stepping stone. And uh, two to one, I would imagine we'll get something north of at least three to two in this race uh, for the number six treason. So single for me. Yeah, look, treason, uh, a speedy horse, fast final numbers. Also, it has fast uh, pace figures. And, and I think a horse that can finish on synthetic but can be forward is a dangerous one. I think this horse will take another step off of that 210-day layoff prior to the last start. You'd like to expect there'll be another step forward. And then in the grade two Nassau, a mile on the turf, Drew, how are we going to finish up this thing? Another single. Uh, the old classic uh, of the number four Moira at two to one is getting the second start off the bench and gets back onto the preferred surface. I think there will be some meat on the bone with this wager, at least in the win uh, odds, because of some of the off form runnings that we've seen. And I think she should sit a perfect strip and uh, trip and just cruise on home. So the number four Moira for me fits on figures, fits on uh, class. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach on the number eight, Fev Rover. Uh, I think this horse could be ha- could have a big year this year. It's a little long of a layoff. It's a bit of a tall task to be as sharp as you need to be going the straight one-turn mile on the outer. But the number eight, Fev Rover, is one to watch. But I'm cold single, number four, Moira, the classics. Drew, uh, Breeders' Cup champion, Breeders' Cup betting challenge champion, also, the King of Toronto, we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you.